Welcome to our Think Kingdom podcast. We want to welcome you into another week in our series, Mastering the Middle. Living in the middle, oftentimes we make it about self. Let's go ahead and jump in and see what God's word has for us from our lead pastor, Antoine Lasseter. If you are excited about me reading from the word of God, say, that's what I'm talking about. Okay, yeah. I can stand up here for the next 30 minutes and tell you jokes, but it won't make you live better, stronger. And and so it's the word of God that gives us strength. Genesis chapter 37, verse 1. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. There are the family records of Jacob. At 17 years of age, Joseph tended sheep with his brothers. The young man was working with the sons of Bilal and Zippah, his father's wives, and he brought a bad report about them to their father. So Joseph has brothers, and Joseph is 17 years old, and he, he, uh, he's a tattletale. So his brothers were doing something, and he went and told it. Uh, now, Israel, Joseph, uh, Israel, now Israel loved Joseph more than his other sons because Joseph was a son born to him in his old age, and he made a long-sleeved robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not bring themselves to speak peaceably to him. Then Joseph had a dream when he told it to his brothers. They hated him even more. He said to them, "Uh, listen to this dream I had. There there we were, binding sheaves of grain in the field. Suddenly my sheaf stood up and your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. So they interpreted his dream. (laughs) Are you really going to reign over us? His brothers asked him. Are you really going to rule us? So they hated him even more. How much hate can you hate? Even more because of his dream and what he said. Then he had another dream. And what you going to do, Joseph? I'm going to tell it to my brothers. Look, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun, moon, and 11 stars were bowing down to me. He told his father and brothers, and his father rebuked him. What kind of dream is that you have had, he said. Am I I and your mother and your brothers really going to come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. His brothers had gone to the going to pasture their father's flocks at Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, your brothers, you know, are pasturing the flocks. Get ready. I'm sending you to them. I'm ready, Joseph replied. Then Israel said to him, go and see how your brothers and the flocks are doing and bring word back to me. So he sent him from the Hebron Valley and he went to Shechem, and a man found him there wandering in the field and asked him, what are you looking for? I'm looking for my brothers, Joseph said. Can you tell me where they are pasturing their flocks? They've moved on from here, the man said. I heard them say, let's go to Dotham. So Joseph set out after his brothers and found them at Dothan. They saw him in the distance, and before he had reached them, they plotted to kill him. With brothers like that, I don't need brothers. They said to one another, oh, look, here he comes. Here comes that dream expert. So now 
come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of the pits. We can say that a vicious animal ate him. Um, And then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, he tried to save him from them. He said, let's not take his life. Reuben also said to them, don't shed blood. Throw him into this pit in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. Intending to rescue him from them and return him to his father. Then when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped off Joseph's robe, the long sleeve robe that he had had on. And then they took him and threw him into the pit. The pit was empty without water. They sat down to eat a meal. And when they looked up, there was a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were carrying aromatic gum, balsam, resin, and going down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, what do we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come on, let's sell him and not lay a hand on him, for he is our brother in our own flesh. And his brothers agreed. When many a night traders passed by, his brothers pulled Joseph out of the pit and sold him for 20 pieces of silver. That's bad. When Reuben returned to the pit and saw that Joseph was not there, he tore his clothes. He went back to his brothers and said, the boy's gone. What am I going to do? So they took Joseph's robe, slaughtered a male goat, and dipped the robe in his, its blood. They sent the long sleeve robe to their father and said, we found this. Examine it. Is it your son's robe or not? His father recognized it. It is my son's robe, he said. A vicious animal has devoured him. Joseph has been torn to pieces. Then, Joseph, then Jacob tore his clothes, put sackcloth around his waist, and mourned for his son many days. And his sons and daughters tried to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, I will go down to Sheol to my son mourning. And his father wept for him. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and the captain of the guards. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. A couple of things I want to point out. Um, we need to see something in these scriptures, these 36 scriptures, um, 30, 36 verses that I read. And the first thing I want you to notice is that God is not mentioned in this chapter, uh, in this verse, in these scriptures, in this verse, the verses that I read. But because we're reading scripture, we recognize that God is present. So I need, number one, I need for you to take that same energy into your life. That just because things are not working like you thought it should doesn't mean that God is not involved in your life. And so when you watch Joseph's story unfold in the beginning, he never came to them and said, God gave me a dream. He literally said, I have a dream. So um, if you don't see God move or feel like he's present, present doesn't mean he isn't. First thing I need for you to establish the foundation of your faith that God is forever present. He's every, he's present in your life, 
and in your family. And speaking of family, God also is working through our dysfunctional family. Like, for real, for real. Joseph starts off bad. And Joseph isn't even wise enough to know that why are you telling these dreams to people that don't like you? So very rarely does life um, work the way we plan. So this is week three of Mastering the Middle. And the, this is the place that most of us find ourselves in. But even a new start is a continuation of life. Uh, you don't graduate from high school um, going into college, forgetting everything they taught you in high school. College is just a continuation of what you've learned from pre-K all the way up to 12, and such is life. When we talk about new beginnings, it's just a continuation of everything. Disappointments have become so prevalent in a believer life that even when it's time to celebrate, that we feel like everything around us will collapse and we don't even take moments and pause to celebrate because we are literally living such an impaired life that we people were peeking around every corner. And it's in the middle that we have a choice to grow deeper and closer to God or we allow bitterness to seep in. And these two lanes, if you will, is determined by our view of God, how we see God. And it's right there. And we can't master the middle if we don't see God right there with us in the middle. The storms we face, God is there. The successes we achieve, God is is right there. Dysfunction. Say dysfunction. Say it with your chest. Dysfunction is a part of our nature. You cannot tell me that Jacob didn't see this dysfunction that he was contributing to because he came from dysfunction. When you look at his pappy, his dad preferred Esau. And so he's carrying this dysfunction. Now, it's crazy the very thing you hate, you become. Because that becomes your focus. Anytime we start ministries, sometimes pastors and, and church planners and people that believe in ministry, sometimes we start not with what God told us, but what we're not going to do. And we form these ministries based on that. You know what? When I get my church, I'm not going to. And God always starts with vision. And that's why he gives, this is crazy to me, because dysfunction should never be ignored. Because when you ignore it, you just carry it beyond yourself. Avoidance causes problems to grow beyond yourself, and unfortunately, into the generation that's coming behind us. If you look at the characteristics, even from the boomers to Gen X, uh, millennials to Gen Z, uh, 
all those generations are actually carrying on what the previous generation did not uh, fight. It's a common thread. When you look at the generations of uh, the builders, um, when you look at builders and how World War II came and how they had to ration they had to ration and steal and, 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 and work forces. And what ends up happening when the GIs came back from, from war, it was generational wars, man. One, two, Korean War, Vietnam War. And so when the boom, when the GIs came back, they had a bunch of babies, baby boomers. And the boomers took on the mantle of, man, we know war. And now we had domestic wars in terms of the civil rights movement. Then you had the, the, the flower child movement and independence. All those things were because the previous generation dropped the ball. And now we got Gen X. That's my generation. They just call us X because it's like, eh. We're in the middle. We can relate to the boomers, but we also understand the millennials. So we get sandwiched in the middle. If we don't deal with the dysfunction of this generation, the next generation is going to pick up their ball. Let me just hit it closer. If we don't deal with the dysfunction in our families, our kids are going to have to pick up the ball and try to deal with it. We have to deal with the dysfunction. So the first point, if we're going to master this middle, is we have to be aware of the dysfunction around us and in us. We all have a tendency to do X, Y, Z. You know it. Stop lying to yourself. I'm not talking to this church. I'm not even talking to the ones watching online. <laughs> I'm talking to the other people. When we are aware of the dysfunction, we recognize that the people that we want to be happy for us, they're not even happy for themselves. How are they going to celebrate you and they not happy? So stop expecting people to be happy for, for you when they are miserable themselves. Can you imagine Joseph's brothers? I, I don't, I, listen, I'm not saying they should have tried to kill the dude or thought about it or put him in a pit, but they saw his father prefer him. He had his nice robe. And you look, you do Bible studies, you see like that robe was authority. So the youngest have authority over the oldest. And then this joker comes back and tells on him. And then out of immaturity, he tells them a dream that he obviously knows what it means and wonders why they hate him. So we have to understand that even though dysfunction doesn't stop the dream, because newsflash, you ain't big or bad enough to stop God's will for your life. That's the first thing. But if we're going to master the middle, we need to recognize our dysfunction and the dysfunction in others. And it's our responsibility. It may be someone else's fault, but you and I are responsible. And if we take a, take a step back, what we see oftentimes is a common thread, a common denominator that we often sometimes overcompensate. So give me an example. Many of us who are less, less than trustworthy, we are now fiercely loyal because we know what it means to be untrustworthy. 
And so sometimes there's a, there is a, a overcompensation of us because we know how it feels. And we, there's a common thread in all of us. Some of us, we have shared our dream too fast. Some of us fail to recognize the patterns in our own lives. You start, stop, you start, you stop, you start, you stop, because you have the motivation to get started, but don't have the fortitude to finish. These are common threads. And if we're going to master the middle, we must learn the intended lessons. There is a difference between being arrogant and being bold. You can be both bold and humble because it's a matter of pointing people uh, to Jesus and the motivation behind it. And so when Joseph dreams a dream, uh, his dream disrupts the norm. And so when God enters the picture of our lives, it's often disruptive. When we get saved, we lose friends. If, as the old folks would say, you really got saved. Like, real, real saved. Like, super saved. Because when we get saved, there is a line of demarcation. So, when we get saved, we become Jesus conscious and everything, thinking kingdom, everything that we do is to his glory. So if I want to listen to that, but it don't give God glory, I don't listen to it. I don't hang around the people that don't. And though that, so what happens, it becomes like this. It's not that we become, we become arrogant, but there is a distinction that being saved Carries the biggest problem I have now. I'm on a soapbox. I'm gonna stand on for a couple seconds, then I promise you I get off. The biggest problem that I'm having in the culture is everybody Christian, and we just we just use it like, you know, I'm a Christian. Are you serious? So you're saying you're Christ-like? Absolutely. Wow, because that ain't the Christ I know. But because we live in such a culture where we love labels, uh, get off, Reverend. I will. So when culture is disrupted, resistance is the result. And once you add immaturity to that, you're in for something. Because maturity is needed so you know when to share what God has or is doing in your life. In other words, you can't tell everybody. Wisdom is knowing who to tell and when. And dreams are conceived long before they are achieved. And between the birth of a dream and that dream coming to fruition is the middle. And I I tell you, I submit to you, you don't have to trust the process. Trust God. Because the process that we are often on, we don't even know the lessons that we should learn from it. How how can you say that? Because many of us repeat ourselves. Trust God. Um, Second point, God's dream may include you, but it's not about you. A God dream is about fulfilling his will, not yours. And this is what should keep us humble. Joseph thought the dream was all about him. And sir, ma'am, 
if your dream just includes you and yours, it ain't from God. The immature makes everything about themselves. Success becomes about you and what you can gain, and struggle becomes about your haters and how they hate you. Romans 8 and 31, what then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? In other words, it's not resistance that kingdom resistance has little to do about you. It's about God's will for you. And if we're going to master the middle, we must know the difference between your thing and God's thing. And we must also recognize that we do not have the complete picture. At best, you got a portion because you can't handle it all. I mean, it's enough to get you started, Dion. But if he showed you everything or what you would have to endure for his namesake, I promise you, you won't get started. So he just gives you a piece. You know, I had this dream and y'all bow down to me. And then even the sun, the moon, and the stars, and the heavens bow down. Okay, let me show you the pit. Let me show you the prison. Because while you're applauding the fact that the palace awaits you, it's the middle that almost kills you. So by the time you get to the palace, your humility prepares the way for you. The biggest problem in my life is when I acquired stuff too soon and my immaturity made me fumble, drop, stumble. And I had to realize that although I wanted it, oh, I, I was going to get it, that once I got those goals, vanity, vanity. It's all vanity. You mean you can make X amount of dollars and not be happy? And you spend your time trying to make X amount of dollars. Man, I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why I pour into these young men. Because I see you bumping your head for stuff that won't matter. And, and if I can just Get y'all to see a surrendered life to God. Let, man, I go after them because somebody had to come after me. You, man, I got stuff that I prayed for. And in a moment's notice, I got stuff that I was praying, Lord, remove this stuff out of my, please, Jesus. I got cars Bro, I got cars that I walked around seven times. It's mine in Jesus' name. And got it and attributed it to God. What I should attribute it to was the, was, was the snake that was selling it to me. And before you know it, that blessing comes a curse. And that's why when you open the book, you open the book. He says, the Lord maketh rich and added no sorrow. Why are you striving to get what you think you want? Eh. Faith is divine hindsight. I'm telling you, you look through the lens of the spirit, 
you'll see the stuff that we're striving for, the programs that we put in, killing the volunteers, all that stuff. Vanity is all vanity because if we don't become closer to God, vanity is all vanity. Because if the beneficiary of your dream begins and ends with you, it's not from God. Which leads me to my third point. God isn't obligated to fulfill your dreams, but to, fit, to fulfill his. And if we are partnering with God, see, that's why everybody in the kingdom is important. I understand, man, listen, y'all know my heart. I understand appreciating me. I understand it. Yes. But don't you fool yourself. I, I don't have God on speed dial more than you. He uses me in spite of me. He uses us with all this dysfunction. You know, sometimes if you could, you would like uh, leave yourself. You're all over the place. And we know it. Sometimes, bro, you know this. Sometimes it's like, you talk to me, it's like, we're going to take this city. What's wrong with the devil? He, he did what? And then sometimes it's like, Lord, the city taking me. Help me. Help me. Bruh. Um, depending, my wife is in the children's area. Uh, depending on what day it is, she's married Superman and his distant cousin, Carl Clint. And the, 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 the sustaining is God, not me. How many times have you encouraged someone needing encouragement yourself? Ain't that crazy? You, you're on the other side of the phone encouraging them that just finished crying yourself. That's why we need each other. Because when we jump all the way, I'm, I'm, I'm moving in a little quicker, but when we jump all the way to Genesis chapter 50, verse number 20, it's crazy to me. You planned evil against me. God planned it for good to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. You look at these two bookends. We're always concerned with how a person starts. And we all celebrate how a person finishes. But baby, I've lived long enough to know that that middle, whew, Jesus, that middle is messy. And that middle takes your lunch. And it's the middle that most of us live in. I know what God said. This is not what God said. It's the middle. God said, produce this film. Okay, you're going to need X amount of dollars to get it. And they won't even give you a hamburger. Like the people that actually, actually celebrated you and supported you and cheered you on won't even give to your dream. What do you do when you're in the middle? What do you do when the pastor laid hands on you and said your marriage is going to change a generation and y'all not even speaking to each other? What do you do when you're claiming healing? You know it's from God. And you go to the doctor and the report is worse. What do you do when you're a giver and you're sowing and you, you give your talents, you give your treasures, and you still end up in bankruptcy. What do you do while you're waiting in that middle? 
And when I look at scriptures, we celebrate the end of a thing. We preach on the starting of a thing. And I had a word from God. But that messy middle where most of us live, one of my favorite songs growing up, and you hear it in every funeral you listen to, that, that I'm a part of or whatever, I've had some good days. I had some bad days. I had some hills to climb. And it's something about climbing those hills that everybody resonates with. It's something about the struggling in the middle and the identity that's needed to be sustained in the middle must come from God. The same people that got you started are now the same people. Look, his brothers actually prophesied to him. Look at the dream expert. That's what they said to Joseph. Little did they know what them words were going to mean. So sometimes even your so-called haters are prophetically speaking over you. That's why you have to be careful that you don't have a way that God enters into the equation. How did they know he was a dream expert? Because he had two of them. There's something there. So when we look at the middle, we're going to talk about the middle for the next few moments, and I'm going to sit down. Genesis chapter 37, we're not going to go there, but I want you to write these scriptures down because I want you to search these things to see if they're true. Don't take my word for it. Genesis chapter 37, verse number 36, all the way to Genesis chapter 31, verse 1 through 20. Joseph um, is sold into slavery, and then he goes to Potiphar. He's in Potiphar's house. And um, he's in the palace. Yay! He finally made it. Um, but Potiphar had a wife who attempted to seduce him. And um, Scripture says that uh, it got so bad that he started running from her. And she, and she grabbed his uh, shirt, and uh, it just got bad. It got really bad. So Genesis chapter 39, verse 21 through 40. I'm sorry, Genesis verse chapter 39 and 21, all the way to uh, chapter 40, um, verse 23. When he accused, when she accused him, um, he was thrown into prison. And uh, so if you're going to master the middle, um, this is something important. When you, if you're going to master the middle, you need self-control. The temptations don't stop because you saved. The temptations, the temptations don't stop uh, because, you, because of your daily confessions and, and the daily affirmations. No, no sir, you're, you're the, the, the temptations are uh, now uh, uh, worsened. Why? Because if, if, if you can't handle the 60 people that you have, then the enemy will, will encourage growth for you to get 600. So because if you messed up on a 60 level, you affected 60 families. You grow, and then you got 600, and then you never got them temptations in control. You're able to mask them. You're able to lie around it. And now when you get 600, now when you fall, there's 600 families that's involved. If we don't master the self-control on this level, you won't master it on the next level. Don't you fool yourself because it goes to my second point. My second point, and if we're going to master the middle, is self-control and character development. One thing that's missing is the middle reveals your character to you and to the people around you. 
I, man, oh, I wish, ooh, it ain't about me. Because, but character development. So the, 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 the cup bearer and the baker comes, comes in prison. They come to prison. And remember the dream expert. They both had these crazy dreams. So for the cupbearer, uh, Joseph says, man, when the cupbearer shares, you got to read it. You got to read it. The cupbearer shares his dream. The baker shares his dream. Uh, Joseph interprets both of them. He says to the cupbearer, you're going to be released and you're going to be restored. And the cupbearer's like, thank you, Jesus. And then the, he, the baker the baker says, and he says, you're going to do this. This is going to happen in three days. And then the baker shares his story, and Joseph says, you're going to die. So the cupbearer is released and said, man, as soon as I get to the house, bro, as soon as I get to the house, I'm going to tell them that there's a dream expert in prison. And as soon as the cupbearer got to the house, the dude forgot Joseph. Character development. Big question. How do you handle being forgotten? When the very people you help, the very people you gave your last, oh, this biting close, the very people that you gave your last dime to, the people that, uh, that called you early morning in secret because of what their struggles were. And as soon as they get their freedom papers, as soon as, they, as soon as their marriage is restored, as soon as they hit the lotto, whatever your thing is, they forget you. And I promise you, can you serve others while living in obscurity? Can you? We sing a song about moving forward, but can you move forward alone? What do you do when you became a part of the ministry because the leader said, we're going to use you. And you were there. First one there, last one to leave. Biggest giver in the church, and they forgot your name. What do you do when your sacrifices in the relationship and you, you get on social media and they think everybody except you. Because I contend it's not about the other person. It's about you. Your character. Man, I know you can serve in the palace, but can you enthusiastically serve in the prison? Every, no. Some guys I know is rushing to this platform. And I got one question for you. How well do you clean bathrooms? Because if you're rushing to get here, that's your motivation. Oh, I just want to get me a church so I can preach the gospel. You mean you ain't preaching it now? Oh, I just need, I just need about 12 people in my small group so I can really teach but you ain't teaching the one. You don't think that we see empty seats 
And now I'm supposed to determine the level of what I present based on the number of people here? Your platform don't make you. It's that character, I promise you, it's that character that we're seeing. There are people that stabbed you in the back, talked about you and your dog. And you had an opportunity to cut their throats. And you know what you did? Yeah, man, well, I mean, it is what it is. That's developing your character. And this road that you're on, that's self-control. The road that you're on, with care, that's why I was talking to someone this week. I said, man, you got to get your money together. Because God's trying to put millions in your hands. So if you keep saying that I'm going to give when I get it, you're never going to get it. Because it's not required of a man to give that which he don't have. It's required to give what you have. I understand it. Listen, listen. I understand the season that we're in. I hate using the word pandemic. I can't stand it. The season that we're in. And I say this with love. Being here doesn't mean you're closer to God. Being at church doesn't mean, no, that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is if we're in this season and you ain't praying at all, and you ain't, bad English, and you are not reading scripture at all, what is it going to take? Like, that's the development of character. What do you do when you thought it was going to happen and it doesn't? What are you going to do when the people that you network with, the people that you're connected with, that you tweeted, you retweeted their stuff, you supported their stuff, and you said, hey, come to my, and they don't even respond to you? Can you still celebrate them? Because oftentimes, here's how we do. We celebrate them publicly and talk about them privately. That's character. The one thing that I've learned is character matters. And character is easier kept than recovered. When a man, and I've been there, and I say it, Man, it hurts me when, when my word meant nothing. That's a hard place to be. Because even when your heart changes and you want to do right, people can't support you because you said this before. Character matters. And then you start to see. Scripture says, and then the cup bearer remembered. But it's between him remembering and him forgetting. What are you going to do in the between time? Last point. Opportunities come to those who are prepared. Joseph is given the opportunity to interpret Pharaoh. But it all started when he didn't know he could. Immaturity will cause you to mishandle your gift, but trials will make you appreciate it.
See, when the scripture says a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men, Proverbs 18 and 16, it's in that room with great men that determine what you've learned. So when Joseph gets in that room with Pharaoh, he didn't attribute it to his success. He didn't even attribute it to his gift. Eugene Peterson says it this way. It's long obedience in the same direction. So what do you do when you're in the middle and you don't know what to do? You got to obey God because there are compromises that happen in the middle. And now that, fair, now that Joseph, I want you to think about this, now Joseph has arrived. This is the dream. He's second in command. He feels vindicated with Potiphar's wife. He feels vindicated for being forgotten. But on the other side of character development, it's the one word in the church that we all struggle with, forgiveness. Because it's never about you. Joseph, I mean, Genesis chapter 41, 45, verse 1 through 8. His brothers are coming to him now. Now, let me just recap for you. At 17 years old, he sold into, he sold into slavery. He spends 13 years in slavery. Seven years in prison. Around about 39 years old, his brothers come to Egypt. Now, God's been good to Joseph. But I'm amazed at what we avoid, God somehow brings to the forefront. Genesis chapter 45, verse number one. He sees his brother. Joseph could no longer keep his composure in front of all his attendants. So he called out, send everyone away from me. No one was with him when he revealed his identity to his brothers. But he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it. And also Pharaoh's household heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But they could not answer him because they were terrified in his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, please come near me. And they came near. I am Joseph, your brother, he said, the one you, you sowed into Egypt. And now don't be grieved or angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because God sent me of, ahead of you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there will be five more years without plowing or harvesting. God sent me ahead of you to establish you as a remnant within the land and keep you alive by great deliverance. Therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and ruler of over all the land of Egypt. 
The fruit of maturity is forgiveness. And the people he had to forget along the way. He had to forgive along the way. He could have been bitter in Potiphar's house. And being bitter in Potiphar's house would have disqualified him, potentially prolonged his journey. I don't know, don't know what your journey is. But if you're going to master this middle between what you saw and what you see, between what he said and what you see, the self-control, understanding your temptations, being dependent on God, not sharing your story too soon, especially to the wrong people, dealing with being forgotten, living in obscurity. And then when you finally get to the place where God wants you to be and see the people who meant you harm, you say what Joseph said in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. You planned evil against me. God planned it for good to bring about the present result. Beloved, your dream is not about you. Your dream is all about God. And I said this to you. If it's the Lord's will, he'll pay the bill. But in the meanwhile, We must be faithful with the little. Don't let an immaturity squander your gift. Don't mishandle your gift because you're trying to make it happen. And you think, we think, that if we connect with the right people, you got to meet this person, Doc. He can take your ministry to the next. You need to talk with this person because if this person, he can open doors for you. We got to have the the attitude of Abraham. If I take this, if I take this offering, it's going to be you that get the glory. So if you find yourself in the middle, you're trying to figure out what your next steps are. The longevity of faithfulness trusting God. So what I do, what, Pastor, what are the practical steps? Trust God. My prayers sometimes are simple. Lord, this, ain't, this is not what you showed me. I know what you said. In those moments that I don't get an answer back, sometimes I wrestle a long time. You know. And I pout, I whine, I complain. And then I don't know if it's just his mercy, his spirit. But not my will, but your will be done. I'm talking to people who find themselves in the middle. Could you please stand to your feet? I don't, I don't know what your middle is. 
and I don't have assurances of how long it's going to be. This is what I do know. God is faithful. And the cupbearer may have forgotten you. But the Lord hasn't. And that was Pastor Antoine with Mastering the Middle. God's dream may include you, but it's not about you. It's about fulfilling the will of God. Now, if you are blessed by anything you hear on this podcast and you feel led to give, feel free to text the word GIVE to 704-741-3705. And if you're anywhere near Charlotte, the surrounding areas, why don't you stop on by and visit us here at 465 South Cannon Boulevard in Kannapolis, North Carolina. Or you can join us online every Sunday at 1033 a.m. on Facebook and YouTube. And while you're there, subscribe to us on YouTube, Facebook, and even Instagram under Think Kingdom. And as always, you can go back, hear the whole Mastering the Middle message series and more right here exclusively on our Think Kingdom podcast.